Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Go meet people and show them your process and things will start happening. Now, there's lots of different ways to raise money. This is just the way that I do it. It works for me, but I don't have to do a lot of deals to make a lot of money. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with a new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide and I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Corey Peterson. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing wonderful, brother. Well, good. I'm glad you're doing wonderful. And welcome to the show. A little bit about Corey. He is the owner of Kahuna Investments, which is an apartment investing company. He's managed and acquired over $95 million in real estate. He's the host of Multifamily Legacy Podcast based in Phoenix, Arizona. With that being said, Corey, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. I started off like a lot of real estate investors do is broke and with a dream. 
I barely graduated out of high school. I was probably not voted most likely to succeed. And, <laughs> and I was a used car salesman. I didn't get the download from the mothership till I was 32 years old, but something magical happened. My mom was married to this man named Bruce. I call him Bruce Wayne. Now, he wasn't Batman, but he was loaded. And he had a home in Hawaii. And my mom invited me and my girlfriend, now my wife, for 17 years to go there and visit. And when we got there, we went to his house. It was right on the beach. And he had cars and fine art. And his phone wasn't ringing. He looked like he was living the perfect life. And I asked him, I go, what do you do? And he said, real estate. He owned apartments. Mm. And now I wish it got better because... It doesn't, because Bruce was kind of a prick. But, um, <laughs> but what he gave to me was the perfect, immaculate picture of what success should look and feel like. Because Bruce had time and money. And he said real estate and apartments. So I left the island thinking he was the big kahuna. And in 2005, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And all I could do is think about Bruce. Like, that's Bruce. Of course. And I started my company in 2005. I named it Kahuna Investments because I wanted to be the big kahuna. <laughs> so from there, I started off as a wholesaler. I had no money, no credit. I started wholesaling deals. I went to RIAs. I started finding people that had money. I would sit by them, ask them what kind of deals they like, and then I'd go find them. I'd hustle up a deal. And I did that for about a year and a half, and then I, I learned how to raise private money. And I raised my first piece of private money by accident. Really, I was a used car salesman, but I actually – got licensed to sell stocks and bonds and mutual funds. I was a financial advisor, mm -hmm. Series 7, Series 66 license. Mm -hmm. So I took what I learned in the financial world and really when the market dropped and I learned that actually people would actually give me their money, I started doing lots of fix and flips. And in 2011, at the apex of me doing a lots of lots of fix and flips and almost actually losing, I guess I call it my why what happened was in this business, it could consume you. Yeah. And for me, it almost consumed me where my son's like, Hey dad, are you going to be at my game on Saturday? And then it was like three o'clock game. I'm like, yeah, no problem, son. You bet. You know, I'm going to be there. But inside I was like, I got to go look at three homes Saturday. So I go early in the morning and long story short is man, I got there at the end of the game and my son came off the field and he cried. He was crying. And he's like, daddy, you promised, you promised. And it shook me to my core, man. Here I was in the, in the public's eyes. I was a huge success. But dude, as a dad and as a father, I was failing. Mm -hmm. I'd put money in front of my kids in pursuit of wealth. And for some reason, in that broken state, kids are resilient. Even though I hurt his feelings and, hurt, and it really hurt him. And it hurt me. I dropped him off at home. Then I buy myself in my car and I'm asking God to forgive me. And I drive by an apartment complex. And it's the same apartment I've driven by millions of times. But on that day in that broken state, I used to say, I wish I could own an apartment. That day I said, how can I own an apartment? Mm -hmm. And when I did that, everything changed. And I was like, my mind went right to Bruce. I go, Bruce, life, time and money, apartments. That was the vision. And I went on, I bought my first apartment in 2011. I bought it for 3.2 million. I raised $1.4 million of private money. And I just actually sold that property last August for $8.8 mm -hmm. Congrats on that. That's a good return. And that's what I've been doing ever since is, is just doing apartment deals, buying for cash flow. I think with apartments, it allows you to have balance. You can do work once and get paid time and time again.
And personally, what I feel like I've really mastered is how to raise capital. And not just how to raise capital, Joe, but really how to raise it at the right cost. What do you mean by that? Well, when I was a financial advisor, I dealt with a clientele that was in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. That's what you sell. And when people come in, and if you ask any financial advisor, you ask your financial advisor, you say, hey, what's a solid return? What can I want to look for? Most of the guys, the seasoned advisors will tell you six to eight. If you can make six to 8%, you're over, you're doing great. And that's what's preached to that demographic of people. And there's trillions upon trillions of dollars in the stock market. We all know this. So I use that same philosophy. And even when you break it down even farther, if you talk about an income product, what can produce income in the financial world, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that's safe. So you have treasury bonds, that doesn't give it a yield. You have CDs, we know that doesn't give a yield. Bonds, and a lot of people invest in bonds. On average, a bond is probably between 2% and 4%. I would say on the average around three. So most people are getting 3% on their money, and that's where they put their biggest bulk of their savings. I know like when I was an advisor, if someone came in with a million dollars, a 401k, the bulk of their money we put in more fixed income products. That's their safe money. So I took that concept and I used it into my multifamily process. And what I do is this. I offer my investors what I call a 6% PREF. Now that's pretty standard in the industry, but here's where I change it up. So I give my investors first dips of all profits based on the cash flow. And then when we sell the property, I define this payout. I give them an additional 6% annualized, meaning that my investors will only make 12% on their money total. Mm -hmm. And what that's done is allows me, because I believe this is if you can raise capital at the right cost, whoever has the cheapest cost of capital can win. Yep. So but I realized if that's my avatar, because there's, there's lots of, I call it smart money, right? Wall street money, savvy money. It's hard for me to compete with those types of investors, but your doctors, your dentists, your attorneys, anybody that's in the stock market, your average working person that retires from a company and has a big 401k, that IRA money, I can attract that and I can beat Wall Street almost every time. Mm -hmm. And I think what we provide, which is what is most valuable, is consistency. Most people want to get off the roller coaster. They want consistency in their return. And they're willing to take less yield for consistency. So that's what I've used to lower my cost of capital. That is a low cost of capital and props to you for being able to attract investors at that level, but it's still a great return too. How many deals have you done with this structure? All three this year, the last year and a half, I was at eight and eight. <laughs> I had a 16% structure. Then I went to seven and seven uh -huh. and now I'm at six and six. So this year we did three deals, probably about a 4.6, 3.6, so it's eight, about $10 million this year at uh, that six and six process. Mm -hmm. And that's an equity, right? The 10 million in equity? Yep. Okay, so you raised $10 million worth of equity at a 6% preferred return, and then when you sell an additional 6% annualized return, so in total, they're making 12% annualized return. Yep. And when you... Went from eight to eight to seven to seven to six to six. 
I know you had at least one investor say, Corey, excuse me, what's going on over here? Why does it keep getting lower? Did you have that happen? And if so, what was your response? And what was your yeah, response to you? It, it always happened. So you also got to understand where you're at in market conditions, right? Right now, there's more money chasing deal makers than there is, I think, deals, good quality deals. At least that's in my opinion. But like sometimes your perceptions are reality. For me, that's my perception and I choose to make it my reality. So those are usually not that hard of questions because if they've been with me for any term of time, what they've seen is the consistency that every quarter we don't send checks, we ACH people's money. We give our reporting every month. We have a, a Wall Street grade property packet to our investors that's very detailed in our reporting. It's a full open book. And we communicate really well. And I say, guys, listen, the cost of capital has just gone down. You know, I want to work your money, but I've got to have it at this new terms. And this is what I'm doing. And if not, I wish you well. And usually by that point, they're just kind of like, dude, just give me some of Corey. Just give me some of the Kahuna, dude. I just want it. I'm used to it. I like it. And I just want more of it. But that's honestly because I've created relationships. Mm -hmm. These are my friends, right? At least in my mind, I treat my capital like it's gold. And by doing that, I think they're willing to accept a little bit less. Now, did I lose some people? Joe, absolutely. Was I willing to lose some people? Of course. Because when I lower my cost of capital from 16% to 12, listen, that helps everybody. It helps, A, it's even easier to become more consistent with your investors because you have a lower hurdle to meet. Because I hear a lot of investors talk about great returns, Joe, but I'm not sure that they always give them. And I think by just being realistic and saying, here's a solid return. Yeah, I know it's not the 20%, but that's speculation money. I'm the place where you put your safe money, your real money. And I think it's just concept of when you put it that way, people, they're looking for alternatives like that to the stock market mm -hmm. because they know the stock market's a freaking whirlwind. Look what just happened. Nobody made money in 2018. Some did, but most of the market lost their money. Right. With the type of reporting that you do, talk to us about what your system is for generating that reporting and then how frequently you provide that to your investors. We use Appfolio is the product that we use, but we use a couple of different, not just Appfolio. So when we provide a, we call it our dashboard. It's what we internally, we call it our dashboard. It's a combination of what's going on with the properties. We have a property packet. Here's the site. Here's how many units. We give some of our internal metrics that we track, which is what's our occupancy. That's going to show up in the report anyways, but we give how we incentivize our leasing staff. How many new leases do they get? What's the rental increase on the new leases? What's the credit scores? What about our renewals? How many renewals do we get? How much increase do we get? Because we believe in this thing that our tenants expect rents to go up. And we never disappoint them, ever. Even if it's five bucks, we will get everybody on board with every year. You can expect a little increase in the rent. Well, that's how we grow the value of our property. We know this. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we program it. But then we have an income statement, a 12-month cash flow, a balance sheet, all of our bank statements. We have this one thing called our variance report. In fact, my variance report is my favorite because it takes our budget and then it has the last three months of what we actually did. So you can pair it to our budget and we'll say, hey, listen, our budget for labor was this and we're either above, meeting, or we're below. 
but we can tell the story. And I actually tell my investors to go there first, because sometimes not all of them can read a big P&L correctly and see what happens. So they can go to their report and get a little bit better synopsis of, oh, okay, now I understand. And not only that, I take the time to read the reports and give a good synopsis of what truly went on in our deal. And it takes time for me to do this. And this is one of my personal touches. This is where I actually get involved. But I think it means a lot to the investor. And by taking care of the capital, the capital takes care of you. And you send that out monthly? Monthly. What are some questions that are typical after you send it out from your Now, this is going to sound really weird, Joe. We've been raising millions of dollars. I very rarely, rarely, rarely ever get an email. I'm saying in the last six months, I've got no emails. Nobody says anything. But if they do, it's usually thanks. I mean that wholeheartedly. It's like, Uh, yeah, great. Because when you give an open book like that, most people, they understand they're like, just read it. But usually they'll ask, here's the biggest question sometimes we get. If we did a big capital improvement project, it's going to hit the P&L. It's going to look like, oh man, we lost $100,000 or something. You know, we lost a lot of money this month. What happened? It's usually that. And I go, guys, remember when we first bought the property, we set aside half a million dollars in CapEx mm-hmm. that's been sitting in our checking account. We spent that money. So we already had it in reserve. We already knew it was there. So yes, it comes off in the P&L. But if you look at our cash flow statement, you'll see that we made money. We spent as far as the property made income that month. We just spent some of the money that we already had in reserve for the property, which we'd already planned on doing. Mm-hmm. So it's usually some of those types of just helping people understand how to read a financial statement. Mm-hmm. That there's more than just a P&L. You know, there's a P&L and your balance sheet and a cash flow statement. Those are really the two, three things that you have to have. And then, of course, we, we even teach them how to look at our accounts payable. We want you to look as we monitor that accounts payable. Like it's important for us to not have a lot of bills outstanding. Yep. Going back to the structure that you started with, eight and eight, eight percent preferred return and eight percent annualized return on the sale. So a total of 16 percent return on the money, assuming all things go according to plan, you're able to do that. How did you come up with that structure? I think just trying to like look at different other people's PPMs. And here's what I did is I asked my lawyer. So I'm like, listen, here's what I think I want to do. And you tell me how to write it in a private placement memorandum. Here's how it actually reads. So we give 50% of ownership. Our deals and say it's a 50-50 in ownership. So we actually, because our investors are equity partners, they get 50% of our depreciation. So in that aspect, that's the one thing they truly split with us, 50-50, yep. right? But on payouts, we define that in our waterfall process, in our private placement, but we say it's a 6% PREF, and then based on cash flow, so it's first dip at all profits, and then upon sale, it's a 50-50 split until our investor gets a total return of 12%. That includes the PREF. Yep. So that's kind of how we word it. But for me, how I come up with it is like, man, there's got to be a better way to lower my God's capital. And if I'm honest, it's all about Corey, but maybe it is. I believe that the sponsor, the guys that are doing the deals, should make a lot of money. And as long as I can do it and give my investors a solid return. Some people are beholden to their capital. I believe I'm beholden to my capital, but I'm still the captain of the ship. And I just looked at the industry and I'm like, there's lots of people that 
oh, you got to do volume, you got to do all these deals. And I'm like, the way I've structured, I don't have to do a lot of deals. If I do two or three deals this year, I'm on Nirvana because mm-hmm. I'm going to own what is all done when it's like a real true split. It's like maybe a 60-40 yep. where I'm getting 60% of all my deals. And for most syndicators, that's totally the opposite. It's a 70-30 and they're not getting the 70. They're getting the 30. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was just that of like, how do I create this to work for me? And when you describe the structure with the 6% preferred return or whatever it is, a six, seven, eight percent whatever year we're doing, it doesn't matter. Let's just go with six. When it's a 6% preferred return and then it's 50-50 until the LPs receive 12% annualized. If it's worded that way, so as an investor said, well, wait a second. So I'm not getting my 12% and then you're the profits. I'm getting 6% and then we're splitting 50-50 and hopefully I get to 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, yeah. What do you and say so to that? Normally we tell them exactly what it says. Yes, that's what it says, right? And I need you to be comfortable with that. Now, in all honesty, here's what we'll probably do because I always like to under promise and then over deliver now, because I've already set the rules of it's 6% and then it's 50-50 split until you get 12. Yep. But let's say if we didn't hit that and it was going to be less and I still gave them 12 because I can still give up my profit as the sponsor if I wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. And normally I do. I've never had to. We've always made more. But if I ever got to that spot, I could look like a hero to my capital by saying, guys, I know it reads this, but I just want to make you a whole at 12. Can I just do that? And boom, now I'm going above and beyond. So I've always believed that like, you just got to be honest with people. I already know that they're only getting six to 8% in the stock market. And that's my avatar. So who does this work for and who does it not? It doesn't work for daddy Warbucks. That savvy, sophisticated investor, whatever that person looks like. Now, who does it work for? Man, I have lots of people that come in. And I had a call yesterday from a guy that's out in New York. He's got a million bucks and he's going to invest it with me. And I went through the same process and he's like, man, that sounds like a pretty good process. I like it. So I always say you attract the right people and you repel the wrong. Because I believe that there's more people that hate the stock market than there are savvy people, right? For me, I've found them and how I find them is through networking and through marketing not marketing, but when I say marketing, I'm going to events and meeting people. And I have a staff that's trained that works for me on my behalf, go out for my company and they go out and go meet people just like I did when I was a financial advisor. And I learned from Edward Jones, that's who I worked for. One of the best companies, by the way, to learn financial services, because as a financial advisor, you know how I started in Edward Jones? They make you go door knocking, door to door. And really that is the process. You go meet people and Show them your process and things will start happening. Now, there's lots of different ways to raise money. This is just the way that I do it. It works for me, but I don't have to do a lot of deals to make a lot of money. Taking a big step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Number one, stick with multifamily. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I've tried to be successful and I've been somewhat successful in wholesaling and doing fix and flip, single family business, right? I made a great living doing that, but I became super wealthy, multimillionaire when I changed to apartments. So I believe it's the right vehicle or cash flow. We'll talk it. 
real good one is, listen, don't ever ask people for money. Only ask who do they know. If uh, you do that, you take all the pressure off of people. And now they're critically looking at whatever you're presenting. And then the right people will always self-select. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's huge. Yeah. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've recently read? The Richest Man in Bob On. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already? Eagle Village. Bought it for 12.7 in one year. We've increased the revenue $360,000 which is almost a $5 million increase in value. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Not understanding who my partners were. What do you mean by that? You got to know thy operating agreement and know thy partner. And because I didn't read the operating agreement and how the voting procedures and stuff was working, I lost control of a deal that I was supposed to have control. And that cost me. I had to quickly buy out one investor to get my percentage correctly, and that cost me a pretty penny. How much? $250,000. The best ever way you like to give back? Through my podcast and through teaching and coaching and just trying to really educate, letting people know that there's alternative ways to make money. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Honestly, my podcast is the best place. The Multifamily Legacy Podcast is where I tell my story and just say, here it is. This is what I do and how I do it. Corey, really enjoyed our conversation. Learned a different structure that I hadn't heard of and come across yet with the 6 and 6 or 7, 7, 8 and 8 preferred slash analyzed return. And your story about Bruce the Prick who had time and money <laughs> and also some of these case studies that you've done. And your approach raised capital at the right cost as well as your second piece of best ever advice Don't ask people for money. Ask who they know. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, sir. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.